Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Lori Lightfoot is outraged. She's the mayor of Chicago. You've seen pictures. You've also seen pictures of Chicago. It doesn't look very good. Being in Indianapolis, it's easy to get to Chicago. I enjoy Chicago quite a bit. I've had some of the best meals of my life in Chicago. When I was last there, which doesn't seem that long ago, just a few months ago, areas I used to walk with my wife and children, I am now told you wouldn't go after dark. The time before had been less than a year that I was there, meaning in the couple of months that transpired between two trips, it became a place you can no longer walk. We'd go out to dinner, we'd walk around, we'd maybe try another place, could look good, because, you know, it was like an eating tour. It was fantastic. Became that unsafe. Well, you can take a look at, like, areas like Magnificent Mile and, of course, see how the stores continue to be empty. You could see that people didn't want to come back to the area. That it didn't have the same level of feel. It's what happens when you allow uh, the rioting to take place without being checked. It's what happens when you allow stores like CVS and others uh, to be looted with no repercussions. Never mind a CVS. How about a Louis Vuitton? Or any other high-end store. But Lori Lightfoot is the one who's upset. And upset because... Texas is bringing those who have come into the country illegally to Chicago. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. That is the number. 833-468-8669. Feel free to call. I I, I don't mind. I, I love a good conversation. With these continued political stunts, Governor Abbott has confirmed what unfortunately many of us had already known. That he is a man without any morals, humanity, or shame. This uh, coming from Lori Lightfoot in response to a question only asked by a black reporter because she does not take questions from, from white reporters because, you know, uh, uh, diversity. I am at a loss for the people who think that this is somehow inhumane. Most of the people were coming from Venezuela. She referred to it as racist and xenophobic, calling him unpatriotic before saying, how dare these bus companies be complicit for being a part of this indignity? What is so indecent? What is so uh, uh, dignity-ripping? Someone has crossed the border illegally. The argument from 49 states is that Texas should just deal with the cost both the financial cost and the human toll, and shut their dumb mouths. This is the argument. The argument that Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, is making is, we're the United States of America. This is our border, not just the Texas border. We're in this together. Ergo, here you are. Now we're really in it together. I've had people argue with me in, for example, social media, you're okay with just buzzing people around 
interesting that someone with the last name Katz would be okay with people just be being carted around. Whoa up, dear kitten. You can't, you cannot engage that conversation rationally. If you want to make a Holocaust comparison, I guess you're welcome to, but don't be surprised when you are laughed out of the room. Jews rounded up in the Holocaust were actually rounded up, taken out of their homes, shot and killed when they felt it was necessary, their property stolen. They were then put into cattle cars and shipped off to concentration camps. Uh, that is, of course, if they didn't spend a couple years in, in the ghettos first when all their property was taken and their status as human beings was diminished. At the southern border, people are coming across the border of their own free will. Well, Tony, they're escaping because of climate change. I swear to you, this is an argument that people make. It's just too hot in El Salvador. They, they, they have to come uh, north. Or it's too much crime. It's too violent. They should do something about that. If you said to me as a nation, we'll take the women and the children, but able-bodied men have to go back to their country and fight, you might find some people who would have a much different take on immigration. But we say able-bodied men come on over. Sorry, I, I, I can't uh, abide by such a thing. But to get back to where we started, people coming across of their own free will, not worrying about checkpoints, not worrying about uh, whether or not they're doing it legally, and then making demands. You will let us in, and you will give us food, and you will give us shelter, and you will give us money, and you will give us opportunity, and then we get social services and be thankful. We came to your racist, bigoted, hateful, scumbag of a country. I'm sorry, I'm describing it as Representative Ocasio-Cortez would describe it. My mistake, my, my mistake right there. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, I apologize. People coming across illegally, people have broken the law, and they're not immediately turned around and told, sorry, why does Texas have to deal with it all? Why does Texas have to take every single person why can't Chicago take some people? Why can't New York take some people? Why can't Los Angeles take some people? Why not? It's racist and xenophobic? No, it's not. It is peculiar and strange and awkward that you would utilize such language. The mayor of Chicago is saying she is not a part of the United States of America and should not have to deal with those border issues. That's a Texas problem. If people were crossing Lake Michigan to get into Chicago, I guess then she'd be okay with it. How easy and convenient it is for her. I am at a, a, a loss with the people who want to make the claim that this is somehow a, a, a radical abuse. No. The abuse is what we are doing to ourselves. 
The abuse is what is happening at the southern border. The abuse is a government of, by, and for the people that refuses to act on this subject. A subject that requires action. You can't have a border like this. You cannot have a country that acts like this. But we have political parties and politicos who would much rather have the problem than the solution because the problem allows them to gin up whatever base they have about the problem so they can get either dollars or votes. This is a valueless proposition. Valueless. I, for one, uh, am fine with what it is Greg Abbott's doing. If it brings light to the situation, if it brings light to the situation, if it shares the issue enough that people realize, man, we really should do something about it there before it comes to bother us because now it's coming to bother us, that's a win. And I, I people texting me, and it's true. And when people who cross the border illegally, who have health issues because it happens from other countries. Things that we think we've eradicated, we note they're no longer eradicated. Monkeypox, anybody? How about finding within the water supply polio in New York and, and even in, 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 in Tel Aviv? When instances of tuberculosis increase in New York and Chicago, that won't be the fault of Greg Abbott. That will be the fault of Congress that has not secured the border. So how about we do this? How about we say we don't allow illegal immigration? We don't let you in and we give you no services whatsoever. You will get nothing. You get nothing. When you become an American citizen, you do it legally, and you get to be an American citizen. But we are not providing anybody who is here legally with anything. That's over. Now, if you still want to come... Do it the legal way, and we wish you the very best. We should be a country of legal immigrants. Immigration is important to who we are. You know, Biden's speech yesterday, the one thing that he said that is right is that America is an idea. It allows us to easily create more Americans because it's people who are accepting of and buy into and want to participate in the idea. But the idea should also uh, say we, we've got rules and laws and we should be a nation of, of rules and laws and they should be followed. Just, just one man's take. Your phone call's up next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So the markets were up on news uh, that jobs were, what was it, 318,000? Or 315,000, that was basically where they're trending down 134, the NASDAQ down 105. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Of course, uh, I believe that America is discussing their their economic future, and the future of the country, the problems that they're seeing. That's, that's the thing that moves uh, uh, Americans. Of course, there was the speech last night from Joe Biden, which was divisive, angry, and nonsensical. Of course, Hillary Clinton loved it. Hillary Clinton, I believed, uh, 
called it uh, the 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 most important speech she's ever seen a president give. So I, I guess FDR after Pearl Harbor was a uh, maybe came in third. I don't know. I I don't know where she is on, on these things. That is that is special. Then there is the White House defending the use of Marines. They're defending Marines being there for Biden's political speech. Listen to Corinne Jean-Pierre. Women who protect us every day and fight for it every day uh, believe in as well. The presence of the Marines at the speech was intended to demonstrate the deep and abiding respect uh, the president has for these service service members uh, to these ideals uh, and the unique role our independent military plays in defending our democracy, no matter which party is in power. Again, no matter which power party is in power. You want to believe that, I say all the best to you. It was to demonstrate the deep and abiding respect the president has for these service members. You use Marines in a political speech. I thought we said no to those things. I thought that was a problem. Not when Biden does it. I can't wait to hear uh, Chairman Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, or Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, discuss how wrong this is. Cannot, cannot wait. Let me go to the phones. John, where are you, John? There you go, John. Welcome to the show. What's going on, John? Yeah, hi, Tony. Thank you for taking my call. I mean, I, I get it that you're mad that uh, the president called you names and and whatever, poked fun at you. But the fact of the matter is, he's right. There's two kinds of elections from the MAG world, ones that Republicans win or they cry voter fraud. And it's unsustainable. It is a threat to democracy. And they tried to overthrow the government to stop, stop the transfer of power, and people got killed. And, and Trump's tripling down on the lie, and you guys defend it. Hold on. Now not. breathe. Now sure. breathe, John. Breathe. First, you can't really start a conversation that way. Who would actually pay attention to what it is you have to say if, 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 if you start with, the, the the demeaning as opposed to, hey, Tony, I think this and here's why. Who would pay attention to that? I'm asking you, you John. You put me on the air, so I guess you do. Well, you're, this is entertainment. It's an opportunity to share something with a very, very large audience about how you don't go about engaging a conversation. I'm only trying to help you, man. It's just no way to start a why, conversation. Why, why? Well, I appreciate the help. But it's, it's not necessary. Why don't you address the issue I'm talking about? I, 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 believe, I believed it was very necessary because of exactly what you want. You want me to address the issue. You want me to address the issue. But you didn't come at it in a way where you wanted it addressed. You wanted to uh, attack, and I assume it was an attempt at, at ridicule. Do, I, do, I, do we applaud? We don't applaud that here. So why don't you try again? Why don't you, why don't you come at it? At, why don't you come at it in a way? Hold on, John. Come at it in a way where you're just like asking a question, like I don't know, a person. Because I don't care if you think it was nice or not. Oh well, then why would I answer your question? What what was the point of the phone call? This is this is John. This is so exactly 
fundamentally the problem. You don't want conversation. You want me not to exist, right? You, I shouldn't be on the air. I shouldn't be able to have any of these uh, kind of thoughts or ideas, right? No, I actually like having you on the air because I think you're destroying the Republican Party. Oh, okay. Well, John, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. That's that. That's how you you, you get to be uh, uh, polite right there. John's problem is, of course, how he addresses the, the 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 subject at hand. But if we were to engage the subject at hand, we would discuss two things. A, I oppose riots, and I think rational people should uh, oppose riots. I, I think that I think that makes sense. Is it wrong? to say, hey, there's an issue here with an election. Is that a wrong thing to say? I don't believe so, because what happens if there is? We could see something wrong with an election, but no one's allowed to say anything, because if you say anything, that's how you prove you're a bad person? That's an odd thing to do. When the president said yesterday that we have to accept the will of the people and accept election results, I wholeheartedly agree. So why doesn't Stacey Abrams do that in Georgia when she lost to Brian Kemp in the gubernatorial race? And why did Hillary Clinton, upon losing to Donald Trump, blame absolutely, positively everything on Russia? Russia, Russia, Russia! Why didn't she say, I was a bad candidate, I never campaigned in Michigan, it's my fault? Jamie Raskin, the congressman from Maryland, wanted to challenge the election results and did of Donald Trump in 2017. And yet he stood there and engaged himself as one of the impeachment managers of Trump and then decided that it was wrong that others questioned the results in 2020. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. I've never denied such a thing and I'm not about to. Elections do have consequences, and sometimes people lose. If there's a legal process for challenging an election or checking an election or ensuring that the votes are right, I'm down with that. And I oppose things like mail-in voting that will create the opportunities for more fraud. Certainly, what we've seen from ballot harvesting should frighten. You shouldn't deny an election because you lost. But anybody from any party and anywhere can say, hey, can we challenge this? Feel free. The markets had responded well to the news that the jobs came in at 315,000, very close to the estimate of 318,000. Yet we stare at it right now, and we've got the Dow down 214, the NASDAQ down 131. And some information that one in five home sellers are now dropping their asking price. The housing market starting to slow down. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. Dr. De Matt Will joins us right now. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. You're looking at these jobs numbers and they break down going from the top being uh, the rise in professional and business services at 68,000 to the bottom being the increase in transportation and warehousing at 4,800 uh, jobs. What 
do you see in these jobs numbers uh, this month? You know, Tony, I see a very boring report. Um, what we see is what's typical of uh, economy that's in a recession. Wages are behind inflation. Hiring is slowing. It's slightly easier to find workers. Uh, participation rate is up. More people are flowing into the workforce very slowly. And specifically, if you read, dig down, women ages 25 to 54. That's where we see the biggest increase in participation, which meaning that women are going back to work. They probably have childcare for their kids. You know, school year started. So it's, it's rather boring, but it is kind of typical of what you see during a recession. It lags what we already know is a recession, Tony, and it's just confirming what we already know. So when you say it's 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 lagging or it's a, it's a boring report, well, this is where uh, the the Dow uh, saw it. This is where Wall Street saw this amount of jobs going. What would you what would you have liked to have seen that would make you say, "Hey, that's a bit of good news"? Well, Tony, I would like to have seen a lot bigger increase in wages. I would like to have seen more people uh, getting jobs. So while we have the participation rate up. I would like to have seen those people getting jobs, but they're looking, going into the workforce and not getting the job that they want. Um, the reason the Dow dropped, in my opinion, is this simply is another piece of data confirming we're in a recession. That's what I see here, Tony. And the market said, oh, crap, we're in a recession. You know, But they didn't start that way, sir. They started by being up. I mean, everyone was excited. The market was moving in the right direction. And then only really in the past hour or so have things gone to the south and are right now uh, staying there. Well, Tony, because it takes a while for the market to process this. Usually they do it quickly, but it was so boring. I mean, I'm looking at this. I didn't read much into it. And then as I read it more and I looked at the data from yesterday, the quits report, and then I look at the productivity number. And, Tony, let me tell you what I think the market may be really upset at. And this is what people have to understand. The productivity report came out. The productivity report, we are down for the second straight month. We are down over 11% in two quarters. That is the largest decrease in productivity since, the, since the World War II, since we started keeping data. I know it's not exciting, Tony. It's boring. But that is a much more important piece of information to me and I think to the market than the job report. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box is where you find him. Um, you talk about people flowing into the workforce. So anecdotally, I was discussing this on the morning show. Uh, I have uh, a friend who's in uh, the world of, of quick serve uh, restaurants. And what they are seeing is an incredible increase in applications. But I can also share with you that when you get out of the entry-level type jobs, entry-level food service jobs, uh, there are people who are professionals who have applied for 25 positions and have gotten two interviews. That's a very interesting kind of, kind of leveling there what is this simply a conversation of the people in the professional world have got all they need and they can't handle any more because there's not enough production to be able to be created and the world of entry level has been hit so hard for so long by a lack of workers that that's the easiest entry point is this an entry point conversation or does this signal something else and is my are my anecdotes nothing more than that <laughs> 
Tony, you asked like a million questions just right there. I'm, I'm not sure which one to tell. Oh, I'll, I, I'll do it again. I'm, I'm good like that. I just have a lot of things processing, baby. <laughs> First of all, the reason it's 25 and 2 is because it's so much easier to apply for a job now. You have automated applications online. So employers are inundated with applications. But look at the report from yesterday, Tony. 11.2 million job openings. Six million people looking for jobs. We still have a labor shortage. What you're identifying, Tony, is a skills gap. We have a lot of people looking for jobs. We have lots of openings, but they don't have the skills. We've been too busy teaching them about these insane theories in school instead of training them to be employees. The quality of the people going into the job doesn't fit the jobs. I hear this from my fellow professors in logistics. I see it from employers. The labor force isn't what we need. They don't have the skill sets. We have all these openings, but we don't have the right people to fill the jobs. That's the problem you're seeing. Now let me move over to this housing conversation. You see, I asked a lot of questions, but you were able to process. You gotta, it's a, we're, we're a quick show. you got to be able to go with the flow. Um, on, the, on the housing, so I've read two reports. One, that one in five uh, home sellers is now dropping their asking price, and you're starting to see home sellers engage levels of concessions they'll they'll okay you can have the home inspection okay we'll do this okay we'll do that at what moment is there a cooling in housing that the market starts to take notice of and tells us that either inflation is going to be exacerbated or maybe this is helpful tony right now you just you just explained perfectly the situation right now we have a cooling in the housing market this is another piece of recession data. All you've identified is exactly what happens during a recession. We're still getting over this, this voluntary lockdown of the economy, which is kind of messing things up in the numbers. But all you're seeing now is a garden variety, normal byproduct of a recession. And remember, housing start permits, those things were down in Indiana the last two months, year over year. So we've already seen a contraction in the residential real estate market. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Counts. said was was that trump supporters are a threat to democracy called the MAGA republicans all right and you said they're a threat to democracy i mean it's what it's what you said and now you're changing it is what it is that you said mr president it's very very awkward he did it in less than like 16 hours tony katz tony katz today it is so good to be with you guys i i don't know i get i'm in studio i'm never in studio but, you know, with the whole uh, handoff from, from MS to uh, Urban One, you know, the station's got sold. 
Uh, so there's been some paperwork things to do, other things to do. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll be in. And so I, I don't know. It's I, I got the phone system here. Might as well use it. Let me go to James. James, welcome to the show. What's going on, James? Hey, Tony. How you doing? I'm all right, man. What's up? Hey, uh, I just want to address something. The last caller, I think his name, John, uh, had mentioned um, with uh, his roundabout. I'm not sure what his point was. Um but uh, for somebody, I've got eight years, ten years, or eight years, ten months in the U.S. military, U.S. Army. Now I worked in uh, law enforcement for six years. Uh, something that's been really bothering me hearing people talk about this whole assault on the on the White House or on Washington, what have you. That that's not how people work. If that had been organized, there would have been total mayhem. There would have been mass casualties. It was not organized at all. That was just people following what they were seeing other people do. The whole following lemurs off the side of a cliff, if you will. Well, I, I would argue that there's there's a there's a point that that you're making there that what we saw on January sixth was uh, certainly inflamed passions, and that's why I call it a riot and not an insurrection. And I do believe there was a total lack of of organization there. It certainly wasn't a a what what I heard in the beginning. Some people wanted to refer to it as a coup attempt. No, 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 no. That right. certainly wasn't it. We're, you're not engaged in a conversation of condoning. You're just engaged in a conversation of definitions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's exactly my point. The thing is, anytime you get a a big group of people around, they're going to be led by emotion. They're going to be led by adrenaline rush. They're going to be led by the happy dopamines being released and all the serotonin trying to cover up anger and fear and all that good psychological stuff. Which is why I, I think it's important. I appreciate the, the the call so much, James. I really do. Thank you. Uh, that I, I am constantly somebody who is reinforcing the concepts of facts, logic, reason. Facts, logic, reason. Uh, this 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 matters so very much. I have emotions. I'm real. Ask me if I'm emotional about the brisket that is going to be made this weekend for Labor Day. Very emotional about my brisket. But I'm I try my best to never let emotion run run my life. Emotion running your life is is a serious serious issue and allowing yourself to be swept up by by the mob is always a bad idea. I do think those who engage in the riot on January 6th are wrong. Absolutely wrong. I, I, I've said I've said as much. But insurrection uh, is is uh, is not it. The idea of government overthrow in that, not not there, and uh, certainly uh, uh, not not successful. But again, I go back to Biden's own words. Something he said most recently that if you want to take on the government, you need an F fifteen. To me, that's that's like terminology that would prevent. Uh, anybody, any, uh, anything from going forward, right? You, you, you just said that there's no way these people could be involved in an insurrection because you need a plane. You said the words. Don't get me wrong. I see what happened at the Capitol not as something more egregious than what happened to small businesses in Minneapolis. I don't see them as different things. Maybe other people do, not me. Let me go to Rob. Rob, welcome to the show. What's going on, Rob? Tony Katz, man. I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, I, yeah, I want to – the last caller being a military guy and a police guy, I want to just say really quickly thank you for your service. Uh, the other guy saying that you're bringing down the Republican <laughs> side is kind of uh, idiotic. But, uh, again, uh, I'd like them to get together film clips of all – 
the people like Pelosi, Harris, all of them condoning the rioting in 2020. But, you know, but that's, that, does, that doesn't ever seem to come to surface. Uh, you know, when uh, the, all the, you know. All this the, uh, is, Rob, the exact problem with Joe Biden's speech is that, and, and I, I, I addressed this, I've got videos already out that address this. If, if, if you follow me on Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz, you'll see it. If Joe Biden wants to address uh, how to heal the soul of the nation, you cannot do it without looking at your own soul. You must have a moment of looking inward. You have Maxine Waters talking about finding Trump supporters and or, or Trump cabinet members and surrounding them and telling them they're not welcome. Speaker Pelosi actually said the words, I'll get into this more, said the words, I don't know why more people haven't taken to the streets. Who knows? Maybe they will. All things that could be seen as incitement. And if we are going to talk about the soul of the nation, how we should or should not do things, we should say that's not going to work, and it's not going to work from all corners and all quarters. Now, I I, I had a conversation with uh, Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. Uh, I like Cam a lot. Cam is, Cam is a friend. Uh, and and he said something the other day, and I, 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 I'll share it with you in, in, in the next hour, because... His argument was was that you know the the what we're seeing from both sides is unacceptable in terms of rhetoric, but I think there's a large difference between rhetoric and bringing the 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 receipts to back up the statement. Factual action versus rhetorical claim. I think there's a difference between the the two things. I I, I could do one more. I could do one more. Corey. Welcome to the show, Corey. What's going on? Hey, Tony, man. Huge fan, huge fan. Been listening to you a long time. Uh, I just wanted to say pretty much everything y'all just said. You know, everything that, that Tony or uh, uh, Biden said yesterday, it sounded like he was talking about himself and the Democratic Party. You know, uh, with the riots and everything, he's one to, you know, downplay the, the, the riot in Washington, D.C., but, you know, doesn't say anything about the rest of the riots all across the country. I- I'll do you one better. I'm sorry. Hold on with me. First, first, uh, I, I, I'm glad uh, that, that you like what I said, but if, if you were going to say everything I was going to say, then there'd be no point in me having this job, and we can't have that, so I have to say it. Um, uh, second, uh, the the... This this larger conversation of where Biden could have gone with the speech and didn't, uh, the the mess and the disaster that was this speech, the divisiveness and angry and anger that was in this speech, and it really is up to Republicans to not engage in that way, but to be talking about what Americans are talking about, which is the economy. And wait till they start seeing uh, their food prices are going up, their energy prices are going up, but their house values are coming down. That's going to create serious uh, consternation and palpitations. Um, but the the unwillingness to look at oneself and what one is doing, yes, you're opposed to what happened on the 6th, but you never talked about any other riots. 
Someone came to try and kill a Supreme Court justice over Roe v. Wade, and you said nothing. We should argue as a society we wouldn't want any president to do that. When I talk about Trump not acting fast enough to ensure that the vice president, Mike Pence, was protected, this is what I'm talking about. Because I believe there are things you do because they are the things that as Americans we have to get done. Doesn't stop me from noting when some people fail at the, at the task. Joe Biden wants to talk about the soul of the nation but won't talk about his own party's failures. That's part of the fail and it was easy to see. Keep it here, this is Tony Katz today.